How are you now? <laughs> How are you now? And we're back, folks. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and we are here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens taking on the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche, of course, uh, who are on their eastern Canada swing here, just having completed a comeback against the Toronto Maple Leafs the other night. Um, And they are a pretty formidable squad. So this is definitely a game going into it where you feel like it has the... uh, potential to get ugly for the Habs. The way they've played lately, they've had a few games in recent memory that kind of stick out as, uh, let's just call them shitty. And if you if you don't show up for a game against a team like the Avalanche, you know, it's the same thing that I said before the Oilers game. Although I thought the Habs actually played pretty well against the Oilers uh, in the end. It's the same it's the same beast because they've got those elite superstars. They've got Rantanen, they've got McKinnon, they've got McCarr you don't show up against those guys, it's going to be a problem for you. And they've also got Jonathan Drouin playing some of the best hockey anybody's seen him play, maybe in his career. Um, honestly, I'm ha- I've been happy to see that from him, uh, and it was nice to see him get a good reception in the Bell Center uh, in his first game back. But uh, there's just so many ways that this Colorado team can hurt you. It's a scary outing for the Montreal Canadiens. So we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about everything that happened. I'll go through the recap. I'll let you know who I thought played well and who didn't play well. But before we get to that, we do got to let you know that with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, as a matter of fact, they're upon us right now. As we speak, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, and the NBA season is in full swing as well. Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And your Montreal Canadiens, they showed up on time for this one. That's the good news. They showed up on time. It was not a terrible start, but they do get an early holding penalty to Michael Pizzetta, and that is really the disaster. They're a top 10 power play in the league, the Avalanche, and... You know, get an early penalty, and of course, they're going to make you pay for it. Ross Colton out in front of the net, and he gets two cracks at it in the slot, puts the rebound in, and it's one nothing for the Avalanche. After that, though, a little bit later on, we get a good shift from the Joshua Wild line with Sean Monaghan and uh, Yoel Armia, and then it's continued by the Gallagher line as well. And then Gallagher, Brendan Gallagher, of all people, goes to drive the net and draws a penalty. Take a drink. Finish your whole fucking drink because this guy never draws penalties. Uh, he's you know he's the whipping boy for the refs, but he draws one here. And guess what? Habs power play isn't nearly as good as Colorado's, but they're equal to the task in this game. Nick Suzuki on the half wall with a beautiful feed to Uri Slavkovsky out front, just like Ross Colton got. Slavkovsky got two cracks at it, and his second crack he put it in the net, and it's one one. We get to the end of the first period. The edge actually goes to the Habs for shots. Chances went to the Avs. They actually credited them with 14 scoring chances, which I thought was kind of bullshit. I'm like, who's counting 14 scoring chances? I don't think they had that many. Habs were doing a really good job blocking shots and limiting scoring chances against, or at least limiting the quality of the scoring chances, and they outshot the Colorado Avalanche in the first period. Well, we go into the second period, and it took less than two minutes for the Avs to cash in. Kale McCarr at the point, he just unleashes a clapper through traffic, and it's 2-1 to for the Avalanche. Now... 
for the first half of this period, the play is heavily in favor of the Avalanche. They're spending almost the entire first 10 minutes of that frame in the Habs zone. But again, the Habs are doing a pretty good job of limiting the shots, of limiting the quality of the chances. They're hanging on for dear life a little bit. But Jake Allen's playing well in net, and uh, they're doing, I would say, a perfectly cromulent job defensively. They're not allowing anything easy for the Avalanche. And then... After they even killed off a 5-on-3 at one point, a short 5-on-3, they seem to wake up a little bit. And late in the frame, we get a missed trip on Nathan McKinnon. He absolutely trips Jake Evan, uh, Jake Evans, and even McKinnon himself clearly thought he was going to the box because when he went to touch the puck, he wasn't like trying to skate up ice with it or anything. He was expecting to get a call, but he didn't. And then the Habs are able to hold the zone. Puck goes back over to the other side. This time, Jake Evans gets it, and he finds Rafael Harvey-Pinar, who drives the net and jams it in short side, ties that game up at two. Harvey-Pinar, by the way, earlier in that period, blocked a shot with his dick. He got a kill Makar clapper right to the dick. This guy's a warrior, an absolute warrior, and he ties the game up, and the Habs finish the second period with the game tied, and again ahead on the shot clock, 27-26. to 26. So two things that are surprising. Number one, they're out shooting Colorado. Well, did not expect that whatsoever after 40 minutes. And number two, they've got almost 30 shots through two periods. Anybody who's watched this team lately knows that that is a lot of rubber for them to be putting on the net. So we got to feel pretty happy about that. And we go into the third period, 30 seconds into the frame. Rantanen goes off for holding. The Habs have one power play goal already. Can they take the lead with another one? Yes, sir. Caulfield and Suzuki are exchanging the puck a little bit in the corner. Caulfield goes back down to the goal line. Suzuki's coming up around the face-off circle, throws it back down to Caulfield, and he just snipes it far side like it's nothing on Alexander Georgiev. And it's 3-2 to two for the Habs. This is going swimmingly, but later in the period, this is where the refs start to lean into the frame. You know, I've talked about this before. I honestly felt like the first half of this game was very well officiated, and then they just started letting Colorado do whatever they wanted. Now, Josh Manson gets called for a very clear interference penalty on Jake Evans, but they decide that Jake Evans is also guilty of embellishment. Now, you be the judge. If you haven't seen it yet, head over to my Twitter account at DrakeMT, and you can see a clip of it. Um, I put it up there. I do not think that that was embellishment whatsoever. The way that he fell was it just looked pretty natural to me. I think it's because his arms went up a little bit. But, like, if if that's your bar for embellishment, then you, you're going to have a lot of embellishment penalties. Like, if that if that's really the standard that you want to set. I don't know. I didn't agree with it. And 4-on-4 four four immediately benefits Colorado. Devon Taves gets a clapper on the rush, and he beats Jake Allen and ties it up at 3. However... With just under five minutes to go in the period, we get a mad scramble in the Colorado zone. The puck is bouncing. Nobody seems like they can figure out where it is. And honestly, I think all five of Colorado's players were bunched up around the slot area. And the only person who seems to be able to locate that bouncing puck is Yoel fucking Armia. And he dives down, takes a whack at it, knocks it over Georgiev and into the net. It's 4-3 to three for the Habs. The Avalanche would pull Georgiev for the extra attacker. They would get some chances. Jake Allen had to make a couple of nice saves, but those saves were enough to secure the 4-3 victory for your Montreal Canadiens over the powerhouse Colorado Avalanche. What a game. What a game. I honestly am stunned by that effort. I thought that was much better than anything I could have expected. Now, you could take a look at Natural Statric and you could go, well, um, the Avs outchanced him. Uh, they out-attempted him. Um, so, you know, by, by all accounts, out-possessed him for sure. 
especially in the first half of that second period. But again, I'm judging the Habs on their own bar, right? I'm not going to use the avalanche as the barometer by which to judge the Habs. I'm going to judge the Habs based on what they are. And this was the absolute best game that I think they could have played against the avalanche. I'm sorry. Um, I think that was some really good hockey by them. Uh, They did a really good job blocking shots, uh, taking advantage of their opportunities. They outshot the avalanche. If you had betting odds on that prior to the game, the, the odds would have heavily favored the Avalanche to have more shots. Not the, the Habs. Nobody's going to pick the Habs to outshoot the Avalanche in a game. Now that I mention it, though, I think by the end, after the, the empty net portion of the game, I think the Avalanche might have had one more shot. But the, the point is, the, the shot clock should really never be that close in a game between those two. And then also the other thing is they, they put over 30 shots on goal. You guys have heard me say this before. When I was in minor, I think, uh, was it Bantam AAA? Might have been the first time that my coach did that. It might have been Pee Wee. Doesn't matter. Either way, my coach had a rule where if you didn't get 30 shots on net in a game, so 10 per period, then the next practice after the game was going to be a bag skate. There's no pucks. So it kind of taught you to, because his philosophy was you need to get rubber on the net in order to score. And I know you don't do that with NHL teams, but it's it's always just been ingrained in my brain that like a decent game shot-wise is you got to get at least 30. And I know in the NHL, it's probably more like somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. Ideally, really, you want to, if you can get 50, you, you're pretty happy with 50. But my point is the Habs have been lacking in shots lately. And in that game, they managed to find the net. So kudos to them. Kudos to the coaching staff. Kudos to everybody on the Montreal Canadiens. That was a good game. And they were doing a good job of getting rubber on the net. So I'm happy with that one. Player of the game time. And there, there are some good choices that I could have made for player of the game here. I think that Jake Allen was potentially deserving of it. Um, I think Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. Uh, so we're going to do it three-star style instead. And your third star of the night, I'm going to give that one to Jake Allen. And Jake Allen, he didn't have to be spectacular in this game. He was good. I don't really want to hear anybody saying that he stole that game. The Habs stole that game. They probably shouldn't win that game. Let's be honest. They got out-attempted. They got outshot, oh, well, barely outshot. They got outpossessed. They got outchanced. If you play that way over and over and over again, eventually you're going to start losing, and you're going to lose more than you win. But they, as a unit, as a team, stole that game. Again, with the good shot blocks, with quality defensive plays that were uh, eliminating some of those high-quality scoring chances that the Avalanche are known for generating. They did a really good job with that, but you do have to give Jake Allen his due. Um, I thought he was very good in net. Um, Not spectacular, but very good and uh, worthy of a third star mention in this podcast. Uh, Moving on to the second star, I think that's a pretty easy one. It's Cole Caulfield. He had a beautiful snipe, and he was absolutely on in this game. He was dancing into the offensive zone at times. When they were in that four-on-four after the uh, avalanche goal, they sent him out with Suzuki, and then they had Matheson and um, Gooley on the point. I think it was Gooley. I can't remember. For sure, Matheson was there, and uh, for sure, they had Caulfield and Suzuki up front as the two forwards. And at one point, he had the puck in the offensive zone. He left, and I went, why are you doing that? It's not three on three. And he cuts all the way back into his own zone, turns around, goes up ice, dangles around two players, and ends up with a good scoring chance. And I went, oh, that, that's why the fuck you're going back towards your own zone. Uh, it was beautiful. It was fantastic, and he was just on for that game. Uh, Legitimately, when he got that puck from Nick Suzuki, even though he was standing very close to the goal line, I saw him get the puck, and I saw him look at the net, and I went, ah, that's in. And sure enough, sure as God's got sandals, he just snipes it far side, top chad like nothing. Um, This is the Cole Caulfield that, that we know and love, and this is... 
um, you know, a few games in a row where I thought he's played uh, kind of lackluster and he comes out and has this effort against the Colorado Avalanche, that's what I needed to see. Uh, very happy to see that from him. And then your first star of the night, as far as I'm concerned, it's Nick Suzuki, the captain. Uh, he set up two of those goals. Uh, they, they, they're not they're not winning this game without the way that he played. Um, he was everywhere. He was pissing off Nate McKinnon even. I mean, Nate McKinnon is an exceptional player in this league, in the world. He's probably... I mean, he's definitely top five in the world. I, I don't know where you'd rank him in your top five. I'd, I don't even know where I would. I think I'd have to sit down and think about it for a little bit. But he's probably a top five in the player in the world right now. And Nick Suzuki had him pissed off. He was chasing Nick around his own zone at one point and like cross-checking him and the rest are letting him get away with it. And then Nick Suzuki's letting him know, like talking to him. And uh, and then he goes out there and basically, like not single-handedly, but he, he beats him. He outplays him and gets the win. I mean, that's the kind of shit that you want to see from your captain. And uh, that's the kind of shit that we want to see from Nick Suzuki in general. That was a great game from him. Very well-deserving of the first star of the night. Um, honestly, great night for the Habs great night for the Habs I think there's going to be temptation so team tank I want to talk to you for a second there's going to be some temptation to be upset about that one and say well you know the goalie kind of stole it and again I do not think he stole it I think he played well enough to give him a chance to win and I think they did the things that they needed to do to make that happen Um, and there's also going to be some temptation just in general to look at the statistical anomaly that is a win in this game and go well the Habs didn't deserve to win I disagree with that as well because again you can have possession all you want right and there's no putting lipstick on a pig the avalanche absolutely outpossessed the shit out of the Canadians in that game right they had the puck on their stick more than the Habs did you don't even need stats to tell you that if you watched that game if you watched all 60 minutes of that game you know damn well they had the puck on their sticks more than the Habs did they had the puck in the offensive zone more than the Habs did but look if if you if you couldn't see it then, go back and if you PVR'd the game or if you can go back on your uh, digital cable or whatever and rewatch it, go look at what they were doing in the defensive zone. Go look at the things that made them successful. They were getting in those shooting lanes. It's like they they knew what Colorado was going to try to do to generate their offense, and they were doing a very good job of just stifling that. And it was kind of similar to what they did against the Oilers, where you know their aggressive defense, getting out on pucks along the walls and getting into shooting lanes, getting into passing lanes, really disrupted what the Oilers like to do with their cycle game. And they did a very similar thing against the Avalanche. And I was hard on the coaching staff after they had those two games in a row where they played like shit, right? Um, but I got to give credit where credit is due. And I think these last two games, they played quite well. I think they played very good defensive hockey, uh, something that they're not necessarily known for, these Montreal Canadiens. They're known for, at times, being able to fill the net. And that's how they end up winning. Or they're known for their goaltenders stealing. And again, I do not think that's what happened here. I think they played a good team game. I think their goaltender was a part of that, uh, but not the part. And that's what's important. I do need to talk about the officiating a tad, don't I? I can't just let that sit without mentioning it. Um, I talked already about Nate McKinnon following Nick Suzuki around and cross-checking the shit out of him and not getting a call. And the crowd was on the refs about that. I already talked about Nate McKinnon's trip on Jake Evans that went uncalled. So obvious, in fact, that Nate McKinnon himself thought he was going to be going to the box. He was surprised to not get called for it. There was an exorbitant amount of interference going on 
by the Colorado Avalanche that was helping them maintain their possession so much. And none of it's getting called by those refs. It's like somewhere at the mid-second period point when the Habs got that tying goal to tie it up at two. The refs went, okay, no more power plays for you. And of course, they, they did get one more power play out of the game, but they were supposed to get a second power play as well, and the refs took that one away by calling embellishment. And again, I didn't agree with that embellishment penalty, so I really feel like they were, in a way, they were looking for calls against the Habs, and they were looking for reasons not to make calls against the Avalanche. I don't know. You can find plenty of people out there who conspire that maybe it. Uh, well, they don't conspire, I guess, who believe in the conspiracy theory that gambling has something to do with it. That and I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm not privy to the NHL ref room. I don't know what they discuss. I don't know who's telling them to do what. But I do know that when you watch some of these games and you see the way that they're officiated, it it tells you that somebody's telling them to do it a certain way. And I don't think that it's necessarily against the Montreal Canadiens. I think it's to keep games closer. I think the Habs had shown that they were able to put up points on the power play. And I think that the refs were trying to avoid giving it to him. I don't know. It just seemed a little too strange to me. So um, either way, you can't complain about it for too long. I'm not going to turn this into a giant ref rant because the Habs won. So uh, what more can I possibly complain about at this point? Um, again, I thought they played a great game. And you know, the refs are the refs. Sometimes you got to play against them a little bit as well as you do against the team that you're playing. So um, yeah, that's about all I got to say on that front. I do have a slight gripe. Um, it looks like for a big part of the third period, they did bench uh, Joshua Hua. Um, this was after Jesse Elanen went down. He got hit in the head with a puck, and I think he got his ear caught. So they had to shake up their lines, and then all of a sudden they threw Mitchell Stevens up on the second line, and Joshua Hua, I think he barely played from there. And I just don't understand that. I, I don't understand that for a second. You've got this guy up from Laval. You've got an opportunity to give him some meaningful minutes in the NHL. And you choose to bench him so that you can try to protect the lead in the third period. Why? I, I, it it really bugs me because if you're going to do that, just leave him down to Laval. What's the point? Br- bring up a veteran that doesn't need the minutes. This is a guy who needs minutes. And I really don't understand why you would want to sit him down in favor of getting two points that aren't going to mean dick fuck all when you get to the end of this season. This team's not going to make the playoffs. So why are we, you know, giving up on a good development minutes for this player to get a win? I mean, if he was if he was causing goals against or something, if he was making glaring errors, then I would understand it. But he wasn't. He was fine in that game. Again, I would say the same thing I said in the Oilers game was unspectacular. I was hoping for a little bit better from him. I was hoping for him to get a point uh, or, or a goal. But... I don't think that he did anything whatsoever to warrant being benched. And I don't think that there was other guys out there as well that, that got benched. Like Michael Pizzetta all of a sudden stopped playing in the third period as well. I don't think he did anything to deserve to get benched. Um, Yoel Armia did more to deserve to get benched. He took a bad penalty at one point, but then he ended up scoring a goal, uh, the game-winning goal as a matter of fact. So hard for me to really come down on Yoel Armia, but... You know, if you were looking at the overall performances of these players, who did enough, who did something at least that kind of jumped off the page as being benchworthy? It wasn't Joshua Glass, so I don't get that. Uh, maybe he'll get sent down tomorrow, and they'll they'll let him go back to having his top six minutes and getting lots of time on uh, on the ice. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, with Elon and going down, and Josh Anderson is still not back yet. We're not sure when Tanner Pearson's going to come back. They might even need another body. <laughs> like, never mind sending anybody down. They might need another body. 
man, this injury injury troubles just don't go away for this team, do they? Anyways, uh, would like to see them if if Juan's not going down, I would like to see them use him more in uh, their next game against the Devils, which is going to be this Wednesday, and that's another team that is not super easy to play against. So uh, we'll see what the Habs have for that one. Um, I'm going to cut it off there. I think we've uh, talked enough about this game. We're running over 20 minutes, almost 21 minutes. Alors, une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. À la prochaine.